Injected by God. Forget the fivefold offices. We want the fivefold orifices. from the orifice of apostle and the orifice of prophet 
You've heard of the offices. <laughs> it's time for the orifices to be in totally inebriated on the marriage wine of the lamb. Just receive your injection into your nostrils, into your mouths, taste and see, fragrance of Christ, wine of Christ, word of Christ, vision of Christ, touch of Christ, fivefold, five natural senses, that's your, your five orifices. Holy! <laughs> it's so true, oh my gosh, I'm just getting drunk on the truth. We've been so focused on fivefold ministry that we've neglected, whoa, the flesh being inebriated on the gospel. Thank you, Father, for strong drink. <laughs> you know, he says he gives strong drink to those who are perishing. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Glory. Whoa. Taste and see that the perishing is good. Wow. They call it Catholic Church a parish. And so the Pope yesterday announced that it's acceptable to be in gay marriage and be a Roman Catholic. So I'm thinking maybe some people are going to come out of the Luciferian death cult tonight. <laughs> Whoa! Joy of the Lord! I can't be right to agree with Satan. I just get a get convicted, you know. Shaba. <laughs> Is it okay if we get just whacked at Joel's bar tonight? I mean, really. There's no high like the most high. Got enough knowledge to kill a person. Holy! Quite literally, actually. Now it's time to get them drunk so that knowledge that is water becomes experiential glory that is wine. Whoa. Holy! I don't know. Shabba. Jesus commanded his disciples to drink his blood like wine only because they didn't have a grid for smoking his blood like a cigar, but a cigar is a terrible example because you don't even inhale a cigar, you just exhale it. <coughs> you don't want to get... This you definitely want to get into your lungs. Whoa. <laughs> like, how dare you blaspheme by smoking the blood? Have you ever smoked it? You little critical demon? It's called the glory of God. The priests could no longer minister by reason of the cloud of the smoke of his glory. So just put the smoke of his glory, which is the burning of the blood of the lamb, into your lungs, into your bloodstream, into your brains. Every satanic thing in a person will be burnt out, offended, and will manifest as you start to get into these realms of the Garden of Eden's intoxication. 
You want to see what's wicked and evil in people? Look no further than the crack pipe of God. Amen. <laughs> and let he who casteth the first rock smoketh it. <laughs> you know, the Hunter Biden in 19. You get the crack pipe in one side of your mouth and the meth pipe in the other side. You got a, a mound of heroin in the left nostril, a mound of cocaine in the right nostril, and IV needles in both arms. And that's just getting started in the five fold orifices of the Lord. <laughs> I mean, that's called drinking the glory or the river of life. And we're like, oh, religious about drinking. And they're like, it's got to be a proper cup. It's got to be wine only. Don't talk about the drugs of the lamb, only the alcohol of the lamb. You mean you need to get a life and get some wisdom. You let Satan rip you off big time. Holy and back when I was sober on the religious demon I was deceived just like you holy and then God got me high with a golden hookah uh, with a big gold hookah and it had a gold hose that lowered down into my mouth and he said you can toke the golden hookah as much as you want and get as high as you want every day you see when you start to inhale the glory smoke of his Shekinah presence, all the fear of the natural realm just gets burned away and you start to get happy. That happiness is called heaven and the blessedness of his glory. To be happy is to be blessed. And happiness is truly living in the anointing, burning through your five physical senses. The temptation that you receive after you're born again is just to analyze it in the brain and that's why people get tormented continuously Christianity isn't an analytical religion of philosophy that's what Paul calls Satanism so the problem is people get tempted by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil after they be, get born again in the substance of his presence and they go back into reasoning and logic which is the same tree that killed you before you're a Christian so you have to to keep the mind in the presence of his glory and God is absolutely fully in approval of you throwing your mind by whatever it takes to live in his presence maybe 2,000 years ago all it took was new wine I tell you what now you got a lot more than a culture of wine that's all they had in their culture guys do you understand it's cultural it's not just a religious formula Jesus was speaking in cultural language that they could understand. All they had for drugs in their culture was alcohol. So he said, I'm the alcohol. I'm the wine. And it's true, meaning I will intoxicate you. I will be your fun. I will be your celebration. I'll be your party. And here, drink my blood and experience it. And his disciples began to drink his blood. And Pentecost is the full infusion of the drunken blood of Jesus so that they had to explain we're not on alcohol. This is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel in the Old Testament that I will pour out my spirit in all flesh and it will look like alcohol but it will be the glory of God. Blessed are the ministers of that drink. And you start to receive 
the substances of heaven progressively into your flesh, into your blood, and it renews your brain, and your brain gets addicted to his glory. And you just reject in your brain religion. You reject knowledge. What does the Bible say? Not just mere knowledge, but the experience of his love. What is the experience of love? It's the substance of his glory. It's the smoke of his glory. It's the cloud of his presence. And it is our drugs. It is our heroin. It is our alcohol. It is our cocaine. It is our acid. It is our mescaline. It is our peyote. It is our magic mushrooms. It is everything. And if you're not into drugs, you need to start getting into drugs. Because you've been ruining your life by not having any fun. Uh, because hello what is the anointing it's the drugs of heaven what is the very presence of angels angel ecstasy so if you enter into the gates by the living water it's because you've learned how to drink problem is in the dry place you have Egyptian Phariseeism everywhere that neglects having any fun in the things of the divine and so it becomes an external discipline where it's the total rejection of any kind of pleasure and so they're completely full of, sat full of Satan, and God wants to remove that. And if you've been full of Satan by the counterfeit pleasures, like the younger prodigal, he clearly wants to de deliver that. We're all Nazarites here. I haven't had a drop of any form of alcohol for several years. I haven't had a drop of any kind of drug for many, 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 many more years. And I'm telling you, it's because the Nazarite vow is the rejection of all the counterfeit pleasures of the flesh to embrace the full realities of the pleasures of the Garden of Eden. Nazarite isn't set apart from alcohol just to be a sad religious monk. Living in a, taking a vow of silence and a vow of celibacy and a vow of poverty and just cursing himself from all of the pleasures of the flesh like a complete fool. No, we actually are living in the pleasures of heaven. You have to be set apart from the world, not in an external discipline, but in the substance of heaven. Otherwise, you're twice as wicked as you were before you found the Christian religion. And that's what a Pharisee is. A Pharisee is twice as evil as a non-Pharisee. So you're better off not becoming external Christians than ever becoming Christians at all. And Hebrews says that, Peter says that, because they were dealing with these types of people that rejected the divine presence, that rejected the divine pleasures, which is the most satanic thing you can become. A religious person that denies both hell's pleasure and heaven's pleasure both. <laughs> and then lives a life of satanic discipline in a religious spirit becoming the furthest thing from the throne of God in all creation. And some of you have been tempted by that thing your whole life and God's telling you to dive into the pleasures of Eden today. Get totally undone from religion. Stretch yourself. Offend yourself. What offends you? What's your border? Like, I'm okay with the new wine, but it's like, maybe just start with smoking the new wine. That might be a good start for you. Because you're going to have to get used to inhaling such an air of heaven, the rarefied air of Mount Zion, that the air gets you high. 
And so it's not startling to you when you start to get a head buzz by breathing in the very atmosphere of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you don't start training your flesh and blood into that atmosphere on earth, you'll have no grid for it in heaven. And when you go to heaven, you're going to be very far from that atmosphere because you didn't disciple your soul into that atmosphere on earth. So the whole point of becoming disciples on earth after you're born again is to adjust your soul to the atmosphere of God the Father. At my right hand are pain and sorrow forevermore. Sobriety forevermore. Whoa, decently and in order forevermore. No, none of that religious garbage. Pleasures forevermore, the Bible says. At my right hand are pleasures forevermore. <laughs> so you just take his right hand, put it on your heart. Thank you, Father, for laying hands on our heart and injecting our heart with the biggest needle you could ever imagine and just pressing it in with the power of the Father's goodness into your heart and let it transform your blood from every crocodile spirit of Egypt that would influence you in the fallen angel's pride because that's really what's stealing the life in your blood. Jezebel is the spirit of witchcraft that is intoxicated on the blood of the saints. It's an external charismatic Christianity that doesn't go into the heart and allow the heart to be intoxicated on God. See, the Pharisees loved all the external stuff. They just didn't have the internal stuff. So when you start injecting it internally into your bloodstream, into your heart, and start drinking the new wine, getting transfused by the blood of Jesus, letting his glory and his fire go into the bloodstream, that's when the religious spirit starts to be defeated in your life. And every single one of us is still defeating the religious spirit to different measures. Like, I used to be religious. You know, now, now I can toke the ghost. I'm telling you what, you guys. You overcome until your very blood becomes crystal clear and sparkling. The, the inhaling of the angelic ecstasy, the inhaling and the drinking of the divine blood and the divine love and the intoxication of the fragrance of Christ and all the oil that just exudes out of the five gates of Jesus, he's in the flesh. You want his five gates to be pressed up on your five gates. His eyes and your eyes. What's in his eyes? Flashing fire in your eyes. What does it look like? Like a Pink Floyd laser show going on inside your eyeballs. Just lasering. Laser eye surgery. It really is light so strong it's beyond lasers. So if you were to put the strongest lasers up into your eyes, you'd be blinded by the light. Let the lasers of Jesus Christ the eyes of Jesus be pressed up into your eyes. Let the mouth of Jesus be pressed up on your mouth. Oh, you need mouth to mouth. We're all practically dead compared to him physically. His level of and quality of life physically is far beyond your wildest imagination right now. And his five physical senses, his five natural gates, you could say his five orifices, fivefold, not offices, but orifices, of Christ pressed upon your five orifices, your eyes, nose, mouth, ear, and touch gates, imparting his transfigured flesh into your flesh. Flesh of my flesh, blood of my blood. A man shall leave his parents and be joined to his wife and become one flesh. Guess, guess what? You're the wife. You're the bride. I'm the wife. I'm the bride. And we're being joined to the bridegroom. Not just in spirit like deceived Gnostics, 
who say spirit good, flesh bad, but like Christians who are conquering the natural realm of flesh and blood by the flesh and blood of the new covenant, Jesus Christ. And it starts with a daily infusion, a daily intoxication, a daily inebriation. And you learn how to have the constant impartation of his bones in your bones, his brains in your brains, his blood in your blood, his heart in your heart, his organs in your organs. Oh yeah, his skin on your skin. Oh, hallelujah. Whoa. Ha ha ha. His ears in your ears. You never hear God the Father unless the physical ears of Jesus are your physical ears. You can't have your own ears. You can't have your own eyes. You're a body of Christ, not a body of you. <laughs> so after you're saved and receive His Spirit, the Spirit and the angels then begin working only in you physically because you receive the fullness of deity in bodily form. You've been born of God's DNA. First John says that DNA, the divine sperma of God the Father, is now in your spirit. What are you going to do with it? you got to transfigure your flesh. It's all about the flesh. We think it's all about spirit, but it's not about the spirit. It's about the flesh. Your spirit looks just like God's spirit. The issue is your flesh now needs to look like Jesus' flesh, celestial flesh, glorified, transfigured flesh. Philippians chapter 3, that we too will be changed into the exact same celestial flesh as the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the hope of glory? The hope of the transfiguration of your bones, marrow, brains, eyes, nose, mouth, beards, hair, hallelujah, chest hair, whatever. Mm. It's all good. The six-pack of the Lord driving home two days ago and followed a license plate back home that said 888 abs. Man, revival just hit me. Thank you, Father. Divine sit-ups and push-ups. Oh, hallelujah. The Bible says to be fully exercised in the glory. Whoa. I'm not talking about the gym of earth, but the gym of heaven. Amen. <laughs> you can do yoga in heaven, and it won't be with the kundalini. <laughs> It'll be with the Christalini. Holy! Woo! <laughs> Amen. I'll give you all kinds of breathing exercises. You can even make animal poses. You could draw a pentagram and dance on it in the kingdom of heaven and the Father wouldn't even be offended. Why? Because there's no sin there. Every symbol redeemed. There's no occult there. See, it's your faith in the darkness that empowers it. You know that you're intoxicated on darkness if you fear it. You're intoxicated on the Illuminati if you fear it. You're intoxicated on Freemasonry and all the weirdness of the occult and everything done in the secret knowledge of Satan if that's even an interest to you, even a fear to you, you're intoxicated. Not intoxicated on love, intoxicated on the knowledge of evil. Now that you've been illuminated that there is a Saturn's cube, that there is an occult, that there is secret societies, and there is all kinds of wicked Luciferian death cults in every city in the world, should that intoxicate you? That because God reveals to you 
the works of the devil to not surprise you? See, you got to be disciplined to stay intoxicated on his love, on his power. All that stuff is comedy. It's comedy hour. Luciferian death cult, it's comedy hour. Joy the Lord is your strength. If you can't laugh at it, you have no power about it. If it's a serious thing to you still, it still has power on it. The true mark that you've overcome and conquered any area of the natural realm of flesh and blood and all the things that exist in that dimension is if you can laugh at it. Psalms 2, For the Lord is enthroned in the heavens, laughing at all his enemies, holding them in supreme contempt of court. So what is the judgment seat of Christ? It's a judgment seat of laughter. Do you understand that? We read about the white throne judgment seat of Christ and I'm a throne in the Father's house and but it's a throne of laughter. The lamb that was slain standing in the midst of the throne, the, the lamb in that context is a frolicking lamb. Much like a unicorn. Very true. Completely carefree. A young lamb having fun in the glory is king of kings and lord of lords. That's where you start. And then you can maybe begin into some lion stuff as long as you don't get serious. You can't get serious and mature. You have to be free-spirited. You have to keep your sense of humor. It has to be comedy to comedy. It's true. Why? Because the Lord is enthroned in laughter. Psalms 2-4. His throne is a throne of joy. His throne is the anointing that saves you, is the oil of joy. Salvation is called, Lord, restore the joy of being saved. And it's like, how saved do you want to get? Is how happy you want to get on the Holy Ghost. Come on. And how do you defeat all your enemies? You laugh at them. You get happier and happier. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Nehemiah 8.10 And so the more anointing, you could call it the more drugs of heaven, the more drugs of Eden you're on and tripping on in heaven. Which means you're not even like worried about anything. It's not that you're ignorant. It's that you're completely possessed with the kingdom of heaven manifesting the victories of Jesus from the cross. If you're drunk on the blood of the lamb, you'll never be drunk on the blood of the saints. You know, every person right now in the world is intoxicated either outwardly. Some are intoxicated on knowledge. Some are intoxicated on fear. There is not a mind on the planet that's not intoxicated by some substance. Intoxicated on prescription pills, intoxicated on alcohol. Most people are just intoxicated on knowledge. Intoxicated on CNN, intoxicated on Fox News. I mean, if it's in the brain, there's no difference. If it's right or wrong in the brain, it's still all the kingdom of hell. It has to be the intoxication of the kingdom of heaven. The substance of the tree of life is the glory. It's not knowledge. Knowledge puffs up, but the spirit builds up, Paul says. Can you drink something that's not knowledge? Can you get out of the tree of knowledge, out of your mind, into the glory? Of course you can. That's called the cup of the new covenant. You're actually saved by leaving the knowledge and the value of knowledge in your brain as zero. Paul called it worthless dung. He had a doctorate, most highly educated skill. It was a Pharisee. They have like 20 years of training. You had to memorize the whole Old Testament. Started when you were like five years old 
and education ended when you were 30. It was the most intense education system on the planet. It's more intense than getting a doctorate today to become a Pharisee. He says, I counted all my formal education as a dung and manure pile for the sake of knowing Christ. So there's the knowing of Christ and then there's the knowledge of Christ. Wow. There's the knowledge of God. That's what the fallen angels bring you. And then there's the experience of Christ and Christ is the anointing. Christ is our intoxication. Christ is our drunken glory. If you can keep growing out of your mind apart from the tree of knowledge into the presence of his glory, you'll be more and more set apart. You become the house of wine. What is the house of wine? The kingdom of heaven. Song of Solomon 2, 4. He transported me out of my carnal mind into the house of wine. Song of Solomon 2, 4. There is a transportation miracle getting out of your head into your heart and start dealing with your heart, which is the bloodstream. And you start putting glory in your bloodstream instead of crocodiles, which are what the demons feed you with knowledge through your brain. Every time you receive knowledge into your brain apart from the glory of God, you're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and dying by asking alligators into your heart. So that your bloodstream is the bloody Nile of crocodiles instead of the bloody Jordan of archangels. <laughs> So one is supreme ecstasy, the pleasure is at his right hand forevermore, because the arch is his right hand. You're in the arch of God with the archangels, the sevenfold rainbow of God. I mean, that feels like 10,000 watts of electricity through every cell in your body continuously. I mean, that's the place of the born-again saint. That's the place of full possession and power. But then if you're not in that place and your Christianity is based on knowledge, your Christianity is based on a different river system. That's why Revelation talks about the river that flowed out of the mouth of the red dragon. It's the Nile. And there's the river that flowed from the throne of God. That's the Jordan. It's what's in your blood and your blood is pumped in your heart. If you can focus on your heart and what you put through your brain and keep your heart clean. We say guard our heart above all things from the heart proceed the issues of life. Every Christian quotes that scripture. But do you understand what's even floating in your bloodstream? Is it crocodiles and frogs? Out of the false prophet was a river of frogs. People wonder why they deal with lust continuously. What are you putting into your eyes? What are you drunk on? Drunk on lust? You got to be drunk on the blood of the lamb. The blood of the lamb has the cure for lust in it. Have a drink. The blood of the lamb has the cure for pride in it. Have a drink. Keep changing your blood. The Nile was turned in one day. This is the day of the Lord. It'll be turned into the Jordan. Do you realize that the blood of Jesus was shed at the place of the skull, representing mankind's brain, to get everyone into their heart and have the blood transfusion of the blood of the Lamb. That's why the throne of God is called the Lamb that was slain, standing in the midst of the throne, is slain because the blood's still pouring out, changing all the bloodlines and bloodstreams of the earth. And what is it? Your cup of blood was supremely intoxicating, Psalms 23. Holy Ghost. <laughs> Whoa. Go ahead, have a drink of it. Mm. you can inject the blood see it's all about the baptism of blood 
See, we get baptized in the Holy Spirit and we're like, oh, I'm good. But you understand that it's a different bloodstream. That's the very initial entrance into the river. I mean, that's ankle deep. Speaking in tongues in the baptism of the Holy Ghost is ankle deep in the river. You got one little touch. You got 1% of the river. There's millions of gallons more substance to be experienced. If I had just left and stayed at that initial baptism of the Holy Spirit 20 years ago, I'm laying in my bed, I felt waves of liquid peace, started praying in unknown tongues. If I stayed at that level, I'd be dead right now. <laughs> I'd be completely, I'd be in a graveyard buried under a gravestone. That, I would have died because I didn't keep growing. We go from glory to glory. I had to go from spirit to spirit, level to level, in the river, intoxication to it. I mean, this stuff is common sense that you think you would grow from the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that it's the very introduction to the river. But most people, after they come into the river, leave the river and don't think there's anything more. Now that I speak in tongues, I'm just tongues fanatics. You pray in tongues, all your videos, tongues. You have a whole denomination, the biggest charismatic denomination in the world, the Assemblies of God and the Church of God in Christ. 150 million members is all about tongues. It's a religion of tongues. It's a religion of ankle-deep Christianity. You go waist-deep, you're excommunicated. I've been excommunicated from the whole denomination. They said, if you ever step foot back in this denomination, we'll call the cops on you. True story. It happened in... 2007 after I graduated <laughs> and I'm telling you guys that's just the beginning of uncovering the matrix of religion <laughs> I mean that's if you're waist deep there's a shoulder deep and then there's an underwater in your head we're tapping into realms of the Garden of Eden where the whole brain is under living water I mean, that's why you the main people that persecute this ministry the last 15 years are charismatic Christians it's not even the world. It's not even the demons in the world. It's the demons in the charismatic church. People say, oh, can Christians have demons? I mean, find one that doesn't have legions over their heads. They don't exist because of the level they're in the river. Anything outside the river is demonized. We're talking about not just numbers of demons. It's the whole kingdom of hell owns the dry place of the prince of the power of the air. So if you, if you have the influence of millions of demons. So most Christians have millions of demons. Why? Because outside the river is the whole kingdom of hell. Only when you bring your head underwater are you not demonized, which is not influenced by hell. And when your head goes underwater, you start to get high. <laughs> you start to get happy. You start to get enthroned in his throne and begin laughing. The Lord is enthroned in the heavens and laughing. Psalms 2, 4. Whoa. Laughter is the sign of of deliverance you have never been delivered from any of the kingdom of hell except with the evidence not of tongues but of joy jesus endured the cross the kingdom of hell that killed him remember the all the murderers the demon spirits yelled crucify him crucify him making fun of him mocking him spitting on him beating him whipping him that's called hell he endured hell for what heaven which he called the joy set before him are we still in hell? Are we in the joy that was for us? He died so that we'd be in heaven, so we wouldn't have to go through the passions of the Christ, of the cross. You don't have to have your back ripped off like his back was ripped off with the cat of nine tails. Nine tails with glass shards in it that ripped his, all the skin of his back off. 
You don't have to have a crown made of two-inch thorns injected into your skull. The most excruciating pain unimaginable. All of that was taken for you. The penalty for your sins in the natural realm and in the spiritual realm were taken by Jesus. He died spiritually, mentally, and physically in all the deaths possible that a soul can die so that he would absorb all the sins of your spirit, soul, mind, and flesh, and bones, and marrow into his flesh and, and buried it into the tomb. It's called being entombed with him. There is no pain in that process. In fact, the more you come out of religion that tries to murder you with the same murder... You understand religion is the spirit of blasphemy that neglects the work of the cross. It says that you need to feel his pain that he had on his cross. That's blasphemy. That's mocking what Jesus died for. That You enter the joy of the glorification of the stages of the cross. It's a progression in ecstasy. When you're dying on the cross with him in the vision and in the spiritual experience, it's ecstasy. It is a pain-free death because all the pain was paid for on the cross. Let him take your pain. Let him take everything. See, Jesus died the deaths to be able to absorb all death working in us like a sponge. That's what the cross is. That's why Satan was defeated at the cross. And if you allow your pain, sorrows, all sadness to flee away into the cross, using the cross, understanding the passion of the Christ and the Gethsemane Garden, the ascension of Calvary, climbing up that hill, death on the cross, the agony hanging there, and all the stuff, the entombment, the burial, his dissension into hell, into the lowest regions of hell, and the resurrection, and all of that is applied to your flesh, blood, mind, heart, and spirit. You will live in perfect glory all the days of your life. I mean, there is no hit like the cross. You understand? I mean, that is the crack pipe. And you need to think of it that way. And that's not blasphemy. That's the joy set before him. It's a celebration. And we still want to agonize it. We want to sit there and cry. Oh, gee, they killed God. If you had any revelation, be like, yeah, they killed God. See, one is a religious demon and an antichrist warlock mourning the death of God. The other one's drink is there with a, his mouth open, drinking the blood and water that's still pouring from his side, which is called the fountain of life, not the fountain of death. There's no death in Jesus whatsoever. There's no death in the cross. There's no death in the carrying of the cross. There's no death in Gethsemane. Every single minute, hour, and day of his life is totally transfigured, and yours will be too as you associate with the joy of everything he did for you instead of the sorrows and sadness. Oh, he was a man familiar with sorrows. Not anymore. Not anymore. There's zero sorrow in heaven, guys. There's zero sadness. There's no crying in heaven. Zero. There's no tears in heaven. There's tears on earth. Why? Because his cross hasn't been fully imparted into every area of our flesh, bones, blood, soul, spirit, thoughts, past, present, and future. As it is, you'd be totally fried beyond crackheads and heroin addicts all the time on the joy of the Lord. Then you will laugh. And that's what needs to be imparted into us. Thank you, Father. Help us experience the joy of Gethsemane. 
the joy of Jesus' life, the glorification of Christ's life. Every part of the kingdom of hell is a neglect of Jesus' life currently in your flesh. All the working of demons, lying, seducing, delusional spirits, every single wicked spirit that lies, deceives, and curses is a lack of revelation of Jesus' flesh and blood in his life on earth. See, we're called his body. Where is his body at the right hand of God? You don't have your own body. That's just nonsense. You are now a member in particular of the body of Christ, Scripture says, meaning his flesh is your flesh. He's given you mouth to mouth. He's given you eye to eye, nose to nose, ear to ear, touch to touch. He is working in all your flesh and blood with his flesh and blood continuously. But if we cut ourselves off from the physicality of his resurrection, we're stuck with religion. Then we go through sorrows. Then we come into all kinds of delusion that says these are the sufferings of Christ. Listen, guys, I've been persecuted every day of ministry since I started. The external suffering is like zero compared to the internal joy. I've been able to laugh at every principality. I've been able to laugh at every single thing that has happened to me since I've been born again because of the joy of the Lord. That's called understanding his works, knowing his glory. The inner man has entered. The joy has the outer man. It must. That's what Revelation does. You're experiencing not just salvation in your spirit, but salvation in your eyes, salvation in your ears, salvation in your brains, salvation in your bones. Joseph gave instructions about his bones, how they were to be carried into Zion. I hear all kinds of prophets saying, we're the Joseph company. I've never heard a single one give instruction on their bones. <laughs> Joseph said, my bones must go into Zion. Are you bringing your bones into heaven? Or is it just spirit and I'm just visionating? We just have visions. We're just dreaming. We're just Gnostics. We just have no excellence in the natural realm. We're just separated from the natural realm by the walls of Molech and our buildings made by human hands. We're not the actual apostolic enculturation of our government and our society and our television channels because we're not even real Christians. <laughs> And that's what we've been doing with in Freemason Christianity for the last 350 years, is that we're not even real Christians. And so the intoxication is actually the cup of the new covenant that you're beginning to come out of your brain, into the heart, into the blood, and become true disciples of his blood, the river of life. And it's drunk. And it's not a three-point sermon. And it's much more five orifices than five offices. <laughs> because it's all about bringing your gates into the gates of heaven. You understand, when we were on earth, in, in sin, that our gates were open for dust to blow in. See, your gates are here on earth. Your eyes are gates. Oh, lift up your ancient gates. Your forehead is a gate. It's your mind. Your ears are a gate. Mouth, nose is a gate. Anything that can go into your touch senses is a gate. There's a gate of your touch, the touch gate. And then inside the soul, there are more windows and there are more doors. And then inside the heart and inside the spirit. So it's a temple of gates and windows. We are very familiar with our outer man's gates. Jesus said the eyes are the gates of the soul. 
So we go into the soul, but can we go from the soul into our spirit? You have to understand the gates of the soul, the gates of the body, and the gates of the spirit, and learn how to stand at the gates, not like the Pharisees that don't allow the glory into the gates. They'll lead them to the gates, but they don't let them in. Meaning, you can have an external Christianity, but you don't let the glory, the new wine, the drunkenness, the spirit, <laughs> go into the gates. And so you have sober, false Christianity instead of drunken, Pentecostal to real Christianity, 99.99999% everywhere in the world today, and it's the wrong expression. It's not celebrational. It's not heavenly. It's not the kingdom. It's not God. It's religion. Even the gifts become religion. Oh, man. All the gifts. Listen, you need to drink your gifts down into your heart. Put the gifts in the river of your bloodstream. Wow. Anyone whose brain is not controlled by their heart is at war against God. So you have millions of people taught in their brain warring against God in their own hearts and so the demon gets you to destroy your own heart. Do you understand religion is suicide? Judas Iscariot was the religious spirit incarnate. It was just the progression of that weed that grew into maturity that caused him to kill himself. So if you have a religious spirit, you have suicidal thoughts, suicidal tendencies. That's called a demon of religion. All death is religion. All external religion is death. And so it gives the brain all these thoughts. First it says, beat yourself up, spirit of condemnation. You're not good enough. You don't measure up. And then you have all these intrusive thoughts into the mind about yourself and about others. That's called the kingdom of hell. What's God's answer? Drink and rise from the dead. Drink and rise from the dead, and the intrusive thoughts, the fiery arrows of the evil one, will not steal the life that is in your bones, the life that is in your blood. You won't have the kingdom of hell drunk on the blood of the saints. You have the saints drunk on the blood of the Lamb. That's called the marriage supper of the Lamb. So the saints have to rise in the revelations of divine blood, the revelations of the river, which is called the knowledge of the glory that will cover the earth as the... Waters cover the sea. They rise from letting external things suck their blood by drinking the blood and ruling by the blood. That's the only way you rise from the dead, in the river of life, which is the blood of Jesus. See, we have the Passover lamb, and we have the blood pleated on our forehead. We'll put the Crisco on all of our doorposts and windows, and we got the external stuff down. None of that really works against demons. Especially higher up demons will just laugh at you and you're supposed to be laughing at them from a higher dimension. How do you get higher than the principalities? In the cup? Because he's higher than the principalities. His blood is higher than all principalities, powers, thrones, dominions, and all spiritual wickedness and all names that can be named. It's written all over the New Testament. The issue is our bones haven't ascended into that place. Your bones will as you drink his grace right through your face, which pulls your whole mind, will, and emotions down into the heart. You will feel disoriented. You will feel like you're out of control because you're getting out of the control spirit. The religious spirit is leaving. The religious spirit in the kingdom of hell that you've surrounded yourself as just a person on earth will begin manifesting on you all the time. People everywhere, your spouse, your children, your family, your friends. That's why Jesus said, in order to follow me, you have to have a new family. 
the ones that do my will of my Father in heaven, even Jesus applied it to himself because there's no hypocrisy. His mom and his brothers and sisters came to him and said, you've lost your mind. Come home with us, Jesus. And he said, my mom is not you right now, Mary. My brothers and sisters are not you, Jude and James. But those who do the will of my Father in heaven, you have not the things of heaven in mind, but of man and of the earth. And so he's always rebuking his friends and family. It's like he's the worst friend ever. Oh no, he's actually disobeying his father because the realm of the dead is constantly tempting him to stay human when he is ascending. He grew up like a tender shoot. He kept rising higher and higher. And he rose to the very pinnacle of the throne of David over the universe. And they put down palm branches because the sovereignty of that throne that's in the the second heavens, that's in the heavens, that's in the stars. Jesus was living physically from that realm. He had ascended to the high place by the Holy Spirit and the anointing to the mountain that Satan originally brought him up to at the beginning of his ministry in the wilderness. Do you understand that? That's where Jesus was by the Holy Spirit and not the demon spirit. Jesus got up there legitimately by obeying his father for three and a half years. And as sovereignty, he had sovereignty over communication, over Rome, over Israel, over everything, over commerce. He says, the Lord has need of that donkey, a brand new donkey that no one has ridden on, just came to him because he has that eagle eye view. He's up in the stars. He's in the heavens. His whole soul had consumed all the second heavens. The heavens are my throne and the earth is my footstool, says the Lord. So he's in the heavens. He's in the high mountain over all the kingdoms of the world by the Holy Ghost. Palm branches going down. Total sovereignty. Everyone worshiping him. Do you understand that? That's the position and the elevation of the king of Israel. That's the throne of David in the natural realm. And Jesus was seated on that throne and all creation was his footstool. All creation was rejoicing. He rode in on the donkey. Hallelujah. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Here is the King of Israel. Here is the Messiah. Then what did he do from the high place? Took it all and sacrificed it on the cross so that he could build you up to that high place to have a bride standing on the moon clothed in the sun with a starry crown on her head. All the heavens become the bride's throne. He wanted you in that kingly position on the throne of David, ruling the natural realm as kings and queens, the royal race of his royal power. That's what he purchased on the cross. That's why you're a royal priesthood and a holy nation. But we still have such an external religious influence that we don't even understand the inheritance of the stars, the inheritance of the moon, and the inheritance of the sun. What does the Bible say? Revelations chapter 12. She is clothed in the sun. This summer, the angel of the sun was showing me the throne of the sun. And this is in the spirit, and it's also in the natural. It is the dominion of natural light. Why does Solomon always talk about the sun? Everything under the sun. He says it like 25 times in Ecclesiastes. Under the sun, 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 sun. Because the blood sacrifice of the bulls, goats, and rams was so significant that he had taken the throne of the sun. He had entered, Psalms 19, the bridegroom's chambers. He had dominion over natural light. He had submitted the natural man to the spiritual man of Jesus Christ in a type and shadow and had entered the Garden of Eden to a measure 
And what does it say about Havilah, where Solomon entered? There is gold, so that even silver had no value in Solomon's day. He did it through the natural realm. We do it also through the natural realm. With a spirit alive, active, and energized. Hebrews 4.12, not just dividing the soul from the spirit, but the bones from the marrow. <laughs> so we do it in the bones and marrow, just like the old covenant, and in the spirit soul, which is the new covenant. Now we're working in the inner man and outer man both. Outer court, outer man, old covenant, inner court, inner man, new covenant. That's why the new covenant fulfills the old covenant. I haven't come to do away with the law, but fulfill it, meaning the whole external realm will be added unto the internal realm of those who get filled with the Holy Ghost and are led by the Spirit of truth into all truth, which is the glorification and the taking of the natural realm. But the religious spirit cuts them. Anyone that's been to heaven sees the gems and the gold everywhere in the waters. Those waters were on earth through Adam and Eve's hearts, through their blood, so that wealth just covered the earth. And then when the fall came, then they hoarded all the wealth into buildings made by human hands and call them banks. Back then, it was all just open wealth everywhere. That's how it is in heaven. In heaven, there's mountains of wealth, gemstones of wealth, wealth everywhere on earth as it is in heaven. But the wealth comes out of your hearts, people. It's true. Storing up riches in heaven, and heaven is where in Christ, in you. A wise man brings out of his heart treasures and shares them in season. What are these treasures? The revelations of the bloodstream of the river Jordan flowing through your veins and arteries. That's why you start to feel intoxicated because it's like fiery coals of truth, gemstones of truth. What is the breastplate of righteousness and the ephod of the high priest of the 12 stones of the 12 tribes? It's all the truth of God's heart working in your blood. That's why it's on your heart. It's not just wearing some external outfit looking religious. It's having different blood because the life is in the blood. And what produces life? Revelation. Living words written on the tablet of your heart so that your blood is on fire and burning. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah chapter 5, My bones are on fire with the word of God. And the marrow and the blood is produced in the bones. It's a different type of blood. We're going from Nile to Jordan. If you can understand blood revelations and blood transfusions, the blood of the Lamb, the blood covenant, drinking the blood, and you can call the blood any drug you want. You can smoke the blood, snort the drug, the blood. You need the fivefold orifices of the blood. It's all the life of God the Father and God the Son in the river of his blood that it needs to be all consuming in the eyes, ears, mouth, nose, and touch gates. And it needs to completely change the inner man and outer man in your organs, in your spine, all over your head. Just get completely saturated and baptized into the blood of Jesus. That's an old covenant that you could get away with a smear and the angel of death passed over them. Imagine if you got the baptism of the blood of Jesus in the new covenant. You know that's what you're doing when you drink the wine? When you drink his spirit, you're getting a baptism of his blood? If you could resist the killing angel 
the angel of death by just some type in shadow of a sheep's blood over your doorpost if that's how weak Satan is to kill, steal, and destroy, imagine a people drunk on the real blood of Jesus. Why do you think they're persecuted so much? They're destroying the kingdom of hell more than anything you could ever imagine. We need to be drunkards. Gideon's 300 are a people chosen by those who know how to drink the blood. Holy Ghost. <laughs> the story of Gideon. He had 10,000 people. It's like you have Christianity everywhere. There's a church on every block in America. It's true. Even in California, even in New York, there's churches everywhere. You, there isn't a secular society here. You just have false Christianity everywhere. If anyone ever started drinking the cup of the new covenant, instead of analyzing it and reasoning it in their brain like false Christians, you would have revival instantly. But even those that claim to be charismatic and full of revelation and all the glory of God persecute the true drunkards on the new wine. It's still totally fringe in the world. They call the new wine and the drunken glory fringe Christianity. Most of them call it false Christianity. Why? Because they're in Egypt. They're under the fallen angels. Let them talk. Don't be distracted by the gossipers and the naysayers, the slanderers. All of them they don't know what they're talking about. When you're up there on the blood of the Lamb, when you're up there on the cross, which is the house of wine, you have to have a daily attitude. Say, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. <laughs> they don't know about the house of wine. They haven't been discipled in the wine. They've been discipled in sin. They've been discipled in religion. They've been discipled in the wrong tree in the garden. That tree in the garden doesn't have the blood of Jesus on it. That's why you can tell every fallen angel has no doesn't that pretends to be Jesus has no piercings of Christ there's no blood there's no wine there's no intoxication there's no substance there's no power dominion might authority they're offended by everything because it's a false Jesus it's an idol Jesus it's a crocodile in the bloody Nile pretending to be Christianity you understand that the house of wine is being crucified with Christ see the blood is still pouring from his throne it's written, Revelation 22, never stop flowing. The blood and the water will flow as a circle of life through all nations until the world is completely renewed. Through people that know how to drink and value it. Can you believe there's a Christianity out there that doesn't even value the cup of the new covenant? What do they value? Knowledge. Let's get our doctorate in divinity. Why? Because they're building pyramids in the sand. And these pyramids is Christianity apart from the Jordan. It's Christianity apart from the new wine. It's apart from the house of wine. It's apart from the cross. They'll preach the cross, but don't you dare put your mouth up to his side and drink his blood and water. you be kicked out. They'll call the cops on you. I've been at Holy Spirit conferences. We got it posted on YouTube. A Holy Spirit conference. They're bouncing beach balls around 5,000 people. We're free. We're not religious. Beach balls, beach balls, fun, fun, fun. We'll even play some techno-sounding music with some light show. Then we got 12 of us coming in drunk on the blood of the Lamb. They called the sheriff's department on us. They had the cops escort all the cars of our group off the property at the Holy Spirit Conference. That wasn't Holy Spirit. That was the evil spirit conference. Within two years, that building closed their doors, went out of business. 
they had blasphemed the actual Holy Spirit. The dude got cancer. The leader of that came against the Holy Ghost. The Lord was offering real revival to these people. They shut it down for beach balls and false freedom. I tell you what, guys, we need to come out of the charismatic church, and your life does depend on it. You need to come out of church. You need to come out of buildings made by human hands. Your life does depend on it. We need to come into the river like John the Baptist and the organic movement of the exodus out of Judaism of the first century. There was millions of people coming out of Jewish religion. 3,000 were added to their number that day. There's only 50,000 in the whole city. They saved 10% of the city the first drink. Do you understand that? That's Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 reality. When you actually start drinking and stop thinking, people will begin to encounter the glory. And if we're leaders and we're not drinkers, we are leading them astray. (laughs) We say, give us our daily bread. I tell you, give us our daily wine. You're not going to understand one drop of bread. One drop of revelation unless you're drunk on the new wine, unless you're in the river, unless you're in the glory. It will be a sealed off letter, the scroll, the lament. Oh, the lament, Scripture says, because no one could open the scroll. Behold the lime of the tribe of Judah. Finally, when you drink his blood, the word is unveiled in the glory of his blood. The blood takes you into the Holy Holies. You understand? They sprinkled the blood on the mercy seat. Once a year, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and sprinkle the blood. But just by his sprinkle, and the glory would sustain the whole nation in like a 75-mile radius from once a year, sprinkling of a spotless lamb. And Jesus says, here's a cup now of the blood of the Holy of Holies. Do you understand that's the feast of the new covenant? We had sprinkling in the old covenant and sustained a nation to become the richest, most powerful nation in the world. We're in the new covenant and we still don't drink it. We're still sprinkling it. (laughs) That's why we have all kinds of external religion. Stop sprinkling. Start drinking. And then the temple, which is your body, becomes the holy of holies. Hallelujah. I think 1 Corinthians 6.19 is true. Your body is the temple now. See? The temple in Jerusalem wasn't even sacked yet when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians. Titus of Rome hadn't caused the diaspora. There wasn't the destruction of the temple yet. But just a few years later, isn't that wild? Wow. Then you could get a grid for the apostolic writings that... See? See? God's not messing around in external buildings anymore. Stop playing games in religion. Drink the blood. Sprinkle. You need to just sprinkle it at first because it's like you can barely receive anything. Go ahead. Sprinkle it. Get some hyssop and just sprinkle something on your face. Sprinkle some water on your face. Get a grid. And then once you got some faith, start drinking it. They take hyssop and sprinkle blood. You can take hyssop and just sprinkle it, drink it. You can smoke the hyssop represents the cleansing and the purging of your conscience. See, these are types and shadows that teach wisdom. Scripture says in the New Testament that all the Old Testament, all the types and shadows of everything written from Genesis to Malachi was for types and shadows and teaching and instruction in instruction in wisdom. Come on, wisdom has mixed her wine. 
It is not literal. It is totally figurative. It is totally allegorical. It is all for you to experience the spiritual realities of the types and symbols. Now we are in the spiritual blood of the Lamb. Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is Jesus Christ with you. Jesus said it's the Father in me doing the works. Well, Father, what? That was the Holy Spirit, I thought. Oh, well, one Trinity, one God. Jesus consistently called the Holy Spirit Father. You need to consistently call the Holy Spirit Jesus. You don't know Jesus unless you know the Holy Spirit. Jesus' Spirit is here. And what's Jesus' Spirit? It's His blood trying to change your blood. It's His Word trying to change the words, what's floating in your bloodstream, what you're entertaining in your hearts, what you're thinking in your minds. Meditate on things above, Philippians chapter 4. Hallelujah. Things above should just be the crown of His Spirit. There's a crown of the anointing oil mentioned in the Bible. It's the crown of the Spirit of Jesus. There is a crown of the Holy Ghost. Whoever's brain is controlled by the Holy Spirit has a crown of anointing on their brain right now. How do you get that? By knowing the Holy Spirit, which is knowing Jesus. Jesus is 100% on earth. He's already returned. You got to be nuts to think Jesus isn't here. You got to be com a complete whack job religious fanatic to not know the fullness of Jesus Christ is already on earth for 2,000 years. Hello, Pentecost? That was the return of Christ. It was. It was the return of Christ. You will see in your lifetime the second coming, he told them. Oh no, what are you getting into? The truth that will set you free from some false hope of pie-in-the-sky bewitchment. The Pentecost experience was considered a second coming of Jesus because they fully received his inner man into their flesh. If you don't have that understanding, you will waste your life not understanding that all of Jesus is already here. You'll be looking for him around. Where is he? You don't know the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the fullness of Jesus Christ. You have to grow in a progressive relationship with the Holy Ghost. Then you know token the ghost ain't going to offend him because he's your best friend. You can see the whole silhouette of the man of light under your skin every time you look within. Because you've been born of Jesus. Now you've grown in Jesus and he's taken over your flesh and blood. Close your eyes. I see Jesus. I can feel the power of Jesus, the radiation of Jesus, like thunder and lightning coming out of my soul. Just by closing your eyes, you go into the Holy of Holies inside your body. It's called the New Covenant Christianity. <laughs> if you're a temple of the Holy Spirit, oh, why? I, hey, there he is. Hallelujah. There's the fullness of the second coming. Hey, Amen. That's the truth, anyhow. Wow, people getting set free tonight. Thank you, Father, for the truth. You will know the truth and it will set you free. Are you denying it? Yeah, I'm denying everything you're thinking right now. It's just total garbage. I'm talking about the real second coming that will so set you free. You'll be the happiest, most joyful people, fully possessed with the rivers of living water outflowing from your hearts and personalities. It's time to glorify our personalities. You will literally completely stop external witchcraft. You will literally stop practicing paganism and thinking that that's Christianity. When you understand the second coming is the Holy Ghost. Oh, wow.
It's true. <laughs> Are you saying he's not? I, I know he'll come again. Maybe we'll call that the third coming. You'd be better off considering that the third coming. But if you don't think the Holy Ghost at Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, is the second coming, you have missed Christianity. And you'll be deceived looking for him on the outside because you didn't get his second coming. We got it. I'm preaching it right now. I'm imparting it right now. Receive the second coming of Christ. Receive the fullness of Jesus Christ called the Holy Ghost. Let it burn up your brains. Let it burn up your hearts. By the Spirit of God, we drive out demons. Drive out all the demons out of your flesh, bones, and blood. Drive it out of your atmosphere. A full purging, a full healing, cleansing, head to toes by the second coming of Christ. Hallelujah. See, the sevenfold Spirit of God sent out into all the earth. So He already came. That was written 2,000 years ago. Those, that is the fullness of Jesus Christ. If you need anything else than the Holy Spirit, you're deceived. I'm not talking about, you know, you need wisdom for this stuff. Holy Ghost, help us understand. Holy Ghost, illuminate these words. We want to be people quick to understand. Because you can feel the mind kind of pulling back. And it's like, oh, I don't know. See, the mind wars against the Spirit. The mind wars against the second coming that has already come. And is still coming because it's the river of His coming. Until we live in the floods of the Holy Spirit. The floods is people awakening to what has already been given us. See, now it's just the unveiling or the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's already fully come. Now it's our job as the bride to take the veil off and to know His Spirit as the fullness of Jesus Christ. You know Jesus to the measure you know the Spirit of Jesus. The fullness of the second coming of Jesus Christ is here available for thousands of years. There were men and women that tapped into it all throughout the 2,000 years of ever-increasing glory of all the Holy Ghost moving through all the planet. They were all inward because he had to land. It was the dove with the olive branch. It means it landed in a tree. It landed, had soil. It landed inside a heart and it started growing within. Understanding the new covenant, understanding the tree of life. What's the, the tree of life is his cross. He was crucified on a tree. What's the life of the tree? The life is in the blood. It's the flowing of the blood on the tree of your flesh and bones. That's true. So the Spirit of Jesus is imparting the tree of His cross into your bones, into your brains. Holy Ghost, impart it all. There is no hit <laughs> like the cross. There is no intoxication like the tree. You can look at it like a, a maple tree with maple syrup pouring out. You can look at it as a frankincense and myrrh with all of that sap coming up because all those trees oaks of righteousness redwoods in size all the trees talked about in the bible or in the natural all symbolize the tree of life which is the centrality of understanding the new bloodstream our new life through the cross of his tree and now how you allow it to be imparted into you be creative See, the epistles were the creative expression of truth. 
inspired by the Holy Ghost. It's all scripture. It's all God breathed and it's all useful for teaching, correcting and rebuking in righteousness, which is the tree of life. Those who win souls are a fruit of righteousness, which is the tree of life, Proverbs says. So we're talking about the cross, the tree of life, and the fruit of righteousness. We're talking about being crucified with Christ and having our whole conscience nailed to bliss. Nailed to the blood of the intoxicating wine of heaven. See... When you're nailed to the tree, I, every year you look in the Philippines and these crazy religious people will physically nail themselves to trees trying to be Christian. I mean, the very opposite of wisdom, the very opposite of joy. It's just external religion of demons still beating everyone up by people not understanding the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit brings to bring us alive out of death, which is external religion, which is anything that works in the brain that is not changing the blood. Jesus said, I looked into their hearts and I knew what was in all their hearts. Pharisees only looked in the brain on the head and saw what was hanging on their heads. So it was always about the blood in the old covenant and the new covenant. What's the difference? We don't rely on animal blood for our covering now. We did in the old covenant. We, re we rely on the internal drinking of the blood of Jesus by the fullness of his second coming in the Holy Spirit that makes the cross, the tree of life, our reality physically for our blood to change and be life-giving blood, blood that speaks a better word, blood that preaches the gospel. Abel's blood preached vengeance, the law of Moses, the blood of Jesus gives grace and truth. It preaches the gospel. You are drinking the gospel and it's flowing through your blood. Your blood is the preacher. <laughs> your blood is the teacher. Your blood is the healer. They put all kinds of diseases on men of old's hands and because there is so much of the glory in their blood under micro microscopes, they'd watch the disease just die just disappear, be incinerated. That's because of the blood of Jesus. That's the glory of God. That's the Holy Spirit becoming the best friend of your mind. The mind controlled by the Spirit of Jesus is a son of God. And so we preach and teach the blood of Jesus for every mind to be controlled by the Spirit of Jesus, to have peace on earth. And what is the peace with God? The new Jerusalem. Peace means Jerusalem in Hebrew. Salem, peace, shalom. So you have the new Jerusalem, the new shalom, which is all about your blood transfused and controlling your brain. So the brain doesn't produce the blood, but it tries to control the blood. That's what sorcery is. Brain controlled by fallen angels tries to protect blood. How dare you try to take my abortions away? How dare you try to take all of my bewitched Christians the way I'm drunk on the blood of the saints because the brain, the carnal mind, the seven-headed beast of the horror of Babylon controls the nation's bloodlines. That's called the Nile. Without the Nile, there's no Pharaoh. Without the Nile, there's no Egypt. Without the Nile, there is no kingdom of hell. Understand the kingdom of hell, what you, what you come out of so that you come into the Jordan and the Jordan's conquering the Nile and Zion's conquering Egypt and there's thrones and there's kingdoms and it's all about conquering bloodlines and bloodstreams by renewing the mind and being controlled by the Spirit of Jesus and it will all work for you and it will become crystal clear and sparkling through your minds controlled by the Holy Ghost. 
begin to become more than conquerors. You begin to confront Egyptian blood. You begin to confront those that are the slave race in Egypt, the Israelites, the covenant people, the Christians who give their blood to fallen angels unknowingly in, in ignorance, just like the Israelites of old, 400 years, trained in slavery, trained in Freemason Christianity, trained in witchcraft after the born-again Galatians 3.1 en masse, global bewitchment having begun in the blood, trying to finish in the brain. <laughs> and so they all become warlocks. They all become witches of religion. That's what religion is. It's witchcraft. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. It's walking out of the glory, walking out of the heart, and trying to control everything in the head. And so the head, the gate, says no to the blood, says no to the new wine, and it rejects the river Jordan and stays in the river Nile. And the nations stay cursed. That's a, pharaoh. That's a pharaoh. That's someone that's lording over a realm of dead people and stealing and sucking and drinking and being drunk on the blood of the saints. That's how you know they're sorcerers, by their controlling of the blood. They don't want the blood to change because their control of their brain over the blood changes. That's why you got to drink for the prison escape. And then the brains start to get the glory and the life of God shooting revelation and fireballs, resting tongues of fire on their brain. And everyone comes out of the river Nile, comes into the Jordan, comes into the blood of Jesus, into revival, into the house of wine, and we live happily ever after. In Jesus' mighty name. <laughs> it's true. That's how it's going down, guys. What do we say? Truth anyhow. <laughs> Woo! In Jesus' mighty name. That blood that you're intoxicated on is the love of God. Be drunk, brothers and sisters, on divine love, on the blood of Jesus. Song of Solomon 5.1 And you will set all the captives free from religious Christianity. Amen. Bless you guys. You want to support this ministry, you can give at Retherman.com. We will see you tomorrow. Amen.